Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel today is taken from the very end of the Gospel of John. It's always a privilege to read or to comment upon or to meditate upon the Gospel of John because it is so rich. We're dealing here not just with a great spiritual master. We're dealing, too, with a great literary artist. What John paints for us in his scenes are icons. He paints a kind of sacred picture of the church, of Christ, of the spiritual life. And what he does is he carefully points out to us various aspects of this picture. What we have today in this beautiful account of the appearance of Jesus by the seashore is an icon not only of Jesus, but an icon of the church. What I want to do is run through the sort of thicket of symbols and images that are part of this literary icon that St. John paints for us. Here's how he begins. Jesus revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. Now here it's a very simple picture, but actually symbolically is quite complex. Whenever you have the disciples in a boat, especially with Peter in the lead, we have an image of the church. This is the bark of Peter. This is the ark of salvation. They're on the lake. They're making their way across. This is the church now making its way through time and space. Another beautiful detail, and St. John never is casual about numbers. Numbers always have a symbolic significance. There are seven people in the boat. Seven's a perfect number. It stands for the completed cycle of time, the seven days of the week. This is the church as it goes about its work over the centuries, through the completed cycle of all of space and time. Now, what are they doing? Well, as usual, Peter speaks for them. I'm going fishing. Christians, this is the task of the church. Jesus said, come, I will make you fishers of men. The church's job is to fish. The others, of course, say, we'll come with you. There's the church in all of its variety, all of its complexity, but it's about one task, the task of fishing human beings to bring them into the boat, to bring them into the ark of salvation. Now, the story goes on. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Night is a powerful image in John. There's a man born blind, living in a kind of permanent nighttime. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and gives him back his vision. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and asks him questions. And what we hear in his questions are his ignorance. His ignorance. He doesn't know. 
He's in the dark. Then at the end of John's Gospel, Judas betrays him. And John comments, it was night. Night, darkness, they're always symbols in this Gospel of the life away from Christ, the life in shadows and ignorance. So here they are, all that night they caught nothing. Something very powerful is being communicated here. Whenever the church of Jesus Christ lives in the darkness or lives in the night, it will not be successful. Only when it orients itself to Christ who is the light will it be successful in its work. If it starts to rely upon secular wisdom, its own powers, its own wisdom and insight, it will not be successful. It will catch nothing. Nighttime is not the right environment for the work of the church. Now listen as John goes on. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Here's that wonderful dichotomy. At night, they're not successful. But at dawn, Jesus appears. Now, where does he appear? On the shore. And this boat, symbolizing the church, is out in the water doing its work. Imagine now Jesus on the shore, and rising behind him is the rising sun, the light. When the church looks to him and sails toward him and his light, it will be successful. Jesus says to them almost playfully, Children, have you caught anything? They answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. There it is. When they look to him, rely on his power, his mind, his illumination, then they will be successful in their mission. Christians, just kind of a side comment. This act of fishing is not characteristic simply of the high leadership of the church. These seven people in the boat symbolize not just bishops and priests and cardinals. They symbolize all of us. All the baptized have this mission. Someone said to me once, until you've replaced yourself as a priest, you've not been successful. That's a terrific challenge. Until I found someone who will take my place as a priest, I've not been successful. I'd like to broaden that out and address every one of you listening to me. Until you've replaced yourself as a Christian, you've not been successful. Until you have fished someone into the boat of Jesus Christ, you've not lived up to your baptismal requirement. This is all of us. And we have to look to the light of Christ if we're going to do it well. Now, they bring in all of these fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. This is terrific. Often in the Gospels, we have these moments of epiphany, these moments of manifestation and recognition, when suddenly we see, or the disciples see, that it's the Lord. Do you remember in the story of the road to Emmaus? In the breaking of the bread, they see him. They recognize him. Well, here's another example of it. John, the beloved disciple, sees and recognizes Jesus precisely in the act of bringing in this great catch of fish. 
when do we sense the Lord alive in our presence? As the road to Emmaus story has it, in the breaking of the bread, in the Eucharist, yes. But now as this story has it, when we do our apostolic work, well, enthusiastically, with focus, and with Christ in our minds and our eyes, then we will recognize him. Where is he alive? In our apostolic work of gathering the nations into the boat. Now what happens next? When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his garment, for he was stripped, and he jumped into the sea. One of those little details seems almost comical on the surface. Here's Peter, he's naked in the boat, and he throws on clothes and comes to Jesus. And you wonder now, why did St. John include this little odd detail? Well, he's a great literary master and a spiritual master. He's calling to our minds another famous biblical character who was naked before God and who threw on clothes when he came to God. Whom are we talking about? Well, of course, it's Adam, the original sinner, who was naked before God. That means unselfconscious, without guilt, without shame, living righteously in the presence of God. But then, in his sin, he was ashamed. And when God addressed him, he put on the loincloth to cover himself up. Well, here we have a beautiful evocation of that Genesis story. Peter in the boat is naked, but when he knows it's the Lord, he throws on clothes because now he's like Adam who has sinned. Peter, at the moment of truth, betrayed the Lord. At the moment of truth, he denied him and ran from him. And so now, before he approaches him, he puts on the clothes of shame, if you will, covering himself up. Now, the good news, Christians, is Peter always speaks for all of us. He's the head of the church. So he symbolizes all of us Christians. Look, we've all betrayed the Lord. Whenever we sin, we deny him, we run from him. And so we come to him with the sense of shame and with the sense of guilt. But now we'll watch what the Lord does. They come to the shore, dragging the net with fish behind them. They pull it up on the shore, and John tells us there were 153 fish in the net. Again, no number is insignificant in the Gospel of John. In the ancient world, they believed that there were 153 species of fish. Now, we know, of course, today there are lots more than that. But in the ancient world, that was the belief. There were 153 species. So, what do these fish stand for? The universal quality of the church's mission. Whom does Jesus intend to gather into his church? Everybody. Every nation. There's no one that escapes his missionary outreach. The church's purpose now is to throw its great net out into the waters and gather not just some, not just a few, not just a holy remnant, but the church has a truly universal purpose and outreach. There's no one that Christ wants to escape from the net of his salvation. So they bring this great net ashore. And then they have this wonderful breakfast with the Lord. He's cooking a meal on charcoal. This is the eschatological banquet. Yes, it calls to mind the banquet of heaven. It does. 
but also I think it's that eschatological banquet that we have whenever we celebrate the Eucharist. Who is the host of that meal? It's not the priest. The host of that meal is always Christ. What's he doing? He's gathering his church around. Now, strengthening them for their further work, their work of mission. Isn't that wonderful? All these little details as the story unfolds. Now, how about just one last connection? We saw Simon Peter in his shame. He threw on his clothes like Adam, and he comes before the Lord. Representing all of us, the whole church, we're all ashamed in our sin as we come to Christ. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Then, of course, he does it a second time, and then a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? When Peter protests, Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus says emphatically, Feed my sheep. Christians, this is how we are healed by the Lord in our sin. We acknowledge it. We, we throw on clothes in our shame. We come before him, and now he does his great spiritual work. Our sin is transformed into grace precisely in the measure that we feed his sheep and we feed his lambs. Listen, in the measure that we love the very same people that he loves. That means everybody in the world. When we go out on this great work of fishing the nations, when we love the Lord's sheep and we love his lambs, we undo in ourselves the power of sin. That's the great good news. The very last move in the story is terrific. Jesus says to Peter, when you were young, you tied your own belt and you went where you wanted. But when you're an old man, somebody else will tie you up and take you where you do not want to go. This is great good news. When we were young, we tended to live for ourselves. That leads us to sin. The final move of the risen Lord is to say, your life, Peter, is not about you. But you will come to fullness of life precisely when you let go and allow God to draw you and God to move you. Christians, in all these beautiful symbols and details, this story from St. John, shows us what the church of Jesus Christ looks like and what it does. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.